let me ask you a question as we sort of kick things off of a, sort of a new series, and we're going to be scattered over the next several weeks. Next Sunday, we're going to sort of follow up what we're talking about today. Uh, Dr. Rick and Mary Irvin will be with us. William will be with us from Nicaragua, and we're going to sort of follow up on what we're discussing today. But let me ask you a question. Do you believe that there are benefits to being, to being a Christian? I hear a lot of mumbling going on. Do you believe there are benefits to being a Christian? All right. Boy, that thing is pretty low, isn't it? <clears throat> um, what are some of those benefits then? If there are benefits to being a follower of Christ, what might some of those benefits be? All right. Gail, what would you say? Peace in times of trouble. Somebody else. Forgiveness. From your. What else? Who? Hope. Oh, hope. She was listening. What else? Relationships. Not afraid of death. Security. That's good. Resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Man, y'all are like really, and y'all had a good break. What's another benefit to being a follower of Christ, a Christian, Christianity? Intimacy? Heaven? You have something to be you able to, you have something that you can share with others. How willing are you, how willing are you to share that good news with other people? Um, even though Christianity has its benefits, let me say this, somewhere along the journey of life, it's going to cost you something. Are you with me? Even though there are benefits to being a Christian and being a follower of Christ, somewhere along the, somewhere along the journey, if you're really serious about moving ahead and growing in your relationship with Christ, Somewhere in that journey, it's going to cost you something. If you want to grow, it's going to cost you something. Somewhere along the line, you're going to face some decisions in life. And in those decisions and how you answer those questions, the, the, the way that you respond to those decisions that you have to make, it's going to determine whether or not you're going to, to move ahead in your relationship with Christ. For us to grow, you're going to have to move from what's in it for me to, Lord, what is it you want? Are you with me? Are you, are you sort of hanging on? If you're going to move ahead, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to get out of the stands and into the game. You're going to have to be the one that's pulling at the coach and saying, Coach, coach let, me, let me in, Coach. Coach, let me in. Let me in, Coach. If you're going to take the next step in your relationship with Christ in the journey, there has to be a transition that takes place from enjoying the view from the distance to getting down and getting your hands dirty. Are you with me? That's not always easy, is it? That's difficult. Because within our culture, it's culturally acceptable to be a Christian. And yes, there are benefits. Yes, there are benefits. But if you're going to become a follower of Christ and you're going to move ahead in your relationship with the Lord, Larry, somewhere along the line, it's going to cost you something. 
It's going to mean the difference between coming to church and going to church and being a part of a, of a, of a group of people and enjoying what takes place. It's going to, it's going to mean from, from going to that to exercising what it means to be the church and live for Christ outside the walls. If we're going to talk about legacy living, it's going to, it's going to move us. Because if we're going to grow, it's going to cost us something. From, from being fed to feeding others. And you know what? This is what I've come to learn in my relationship with the Lord. This is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. And what I want to do today is, is I want to look at a passage of Scripture in the book of my, uh, Mark in the New Testament. I want you to take your Bibles out. And we're going to start here today as, as we sort of open up over the next few minutes. Um, and what I want to do is I want, to, I want to bring this passage to you in Mark chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 27. But this is sort of the bottom line. This is the bottom line of what we're going to talk about today. Listen, salvation is free. It doesn't cost you anything. But to follow Jesus somewhere along, it's going to cost you something. Salvation is free. It's a free gift is what the Scripture has to say. But following Christ at some point, it's going to cost you something. And you know what? It's probably going to be tough. It's probably going to be difficult. So, with that said, I want you to turn to, to Mark chapter 8, and let's see if we can, can read a little bit, beginning at verse 27, and see what Mark has to say. Mark is one of what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that talk to us about the life of Jesus. Mark was written by John Mark, who wasn't one of the original 12 disciples, but he was a traveling companion of Paul on some of his missionary journeys. Some believe that Mark was the first book that was written because all, except for about 31 passages of Scripture, we find in other, other, um, other of the Gospels, whether it be Mar or Matthew or Luke or John. So a lot of scholars believe that Mark was the first of the Gospels that was written. But this is what Mark writes for us, and he pens for us these words. Jesus and his disciples, the followers of Christ, left Galilee and they went up to the villages um, near, near Caesarea Philippi. Jesus had just uh, finished a healing and now they're off to this area called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea uh, is a very unusual place. It was a place of commerce. It was a place of pagan religious worship. They say that they're in that place that people would gather to worship their pagan gods that in the, in the cliffs and in the walls, they would etch and these niches out and they would put their figurines or the idols that they would come to worship. It was a place of many springs, fresh water. Uh, but they would come and they would gather here. And it was here at this place that we sort of get the backdrop of what Jesus is fixing to ask his disciples. Okay, so if you're sort of with me there. And as they're walking along, if you can imagine, they're in this place of all this pagan worship and all these different ideas and values and religious beliefs happening, and Jesus asked them a question. And this is what he says to them, who do people, who do they, they, people say that I am? That's a question that all of us are going to have to answer at some point in time. Who do you say, who do the people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. John had been beheaded, if you know something about the story. Uh, John had spoke against uh, Herod and the fact that he had divorced his wife and he had married his brother's wife. So anyway, the long process here, John the Baptist gets his head taken off because he stands up for the faith. Some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah, a prophet of old, and then some say maybe um, you're one of the other, another prophet. 
There was a, a strong belief in reincarnation during that time. So all these things are, who do, you, who do they say that, that I am? And, and, but that's really not what Jesus was hinting at. Jesus really wanted to know, not who do they say that I am, but who do you say? Since you've been walking with me over this period of time, who do you say that I am? And he asked that question, verse 29. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter's reply, there's always got to be one in the bunch that always stands up and speaks out, right? And here's Peter says, you're the Messiah. Peter says, listen, I know who you are, Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the one that's come to save us. I, I know exactly who you are. But what we're fixing to learn very quickly is Peter knew who he was, but he really didn't understand why he had come. Because he didn't understand Peter's mission. Didn't understand his mission. And Jesus warned them at that time not to tell anybody about them. And look at what it says in verse 31. Then, then... Jesus began to talk to them and tell them that the Son of Man himself must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. That he would be killed. That three days later he would rise from the dead. And in verse 32, as he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter, here he is again, Peter decides he's going to take him aside and begin to reprimand him because of the things that he was saying. See, he knew, Peter knew who he was, who he claimed to be, but Peter didn't understand his mission. Here's Jesus looking to the future and saying, guys, I want to tell you a little about what's going to happen in the, in, the, in the near future. Peter didn't like that. Peter didn't like that at all. I mean, what are you talking about, Jesus? I, I, I sort of don't agree with that. I, I don't know if what you're saying is something that I can hold on to. See, Jesus says, you know who I am, but now I want to let you in on some inside information. And as he talks to him about the suffering, and as he talks to him about the dying, and as he talks to him about the resurrection, Peter said, wait a minute. <laughs> we need to sit down and talk about this. And so Peter pulls Jesus off to the side and says, wait, hey, can we, can we sort of discuss this? What in the world are you talking about? suffering and dying and resurrection and look at what jesus has to say to him adam you know what he said he said he said jesus turned around and looked at his disciples then he reprimanded peter right there in front of them and said get away from me satan now that's pretty and you ever told somebody that man get away from me satan let me let me let you in on a little bit of an insight here because this is what this is what jesus was saying Jesus was saying, listen, Peter, you're thinking about things from your perspective. You're not thinking about things from God's perspective. You're only thinking about me and how your relationship with me benefits you and what you want. See, Peter, really, you're only in this for Peter. See, you're following me because you've seen me do some things. And so all of a sudden, you're, you're walking alongside of me, but you're thinking about things from your perspective, not God's perspective. You're thinking about what is it that benefits you? Here you are, one of my closest friends and disciples, and all the things that you've seen, and you still don't get it. See, Peter, I, I have a purpose. I have a purpose. I have a purpose, but not only do I have a purpose, but I have a purpose for you. And up until this time, things have been pretty smooth. But, in, but let me, I just want to let you guys know, life is... Is, we're fixing to get stretched a little bit. Are you with me? How many of us 
go to church because things are smooth. It's sort of the end thing. There is no waves. It's a different thing when all of a sudden there are some waves and you're having to hold on. And Jesus said, no, I've got a purpose not only for my life, but I've got a purpose for you as well. And you're fixing to get stretched. And so if you're in this relationship out of convenience and comfort, you're probably not going to make it through the difficult times. Uh-oh. Woo! This really rings a bell for some of us, doesn't it? It really, really rings a bell. So, Peter, isn't it about time to take this relationship to another level? And look at what he goes on to say. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you, any of you wants to be my follower or disciple... A disciple isn't somebody that just consumes. It's not just a user, but a disciple is a follower. You do what I do. If anybody wants to be my follower, if any one of you wants to be a follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. In other words, simply put, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to say no to self. Are you with me, Wes? For you to have to be a follower, it means you're going to have to set aside what you want, what benefits you the most, and it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something to move from what is it, what, what is in this thing for me to Lord, what is it that you want? Because to follow me, you're going to have to say no to self. And Lord, how do you want me to use my time? And Lord, how do you want me to use my talents? And Lord, how, many, how do you want me to use my resources? If any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your what? Your cross and follow me. Now, for many of us today, the cross is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, it's an artwork, isn't it? I mean, we wear it on our hats, we wear it around our necklaces, you know, wear it on our necklaces, we'll put it on a tattoo, or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put it all kinds of places. But during that time, in that generation, in that, that, that period, they knew what a cross meant. It was a, it was a place of suffering and shame. See, a cross was something that you picked up, that you carried to a, to a place of crucifixion. A cross was something that meant submission and humility. And this is what Jesus was saying. If you're going to be my disciple, you will have to, if not literally, figuratively, die. <laughs> I mean, now here the conversation gets really deep because Jesus has gone from talking about him dying to, you mean to tell me that now you're talking about me dying? Me dying to self? following Christ is going to cost us something, isn't it? Cost us something. And look at what he says in 35. If you try to hang on to your life, when I mean hang on to your life, I think what he's saying, and how many of us want to hang on to our life? Isn't that why we go to the doctor? Isn't that, isn't that why we, we like to, to, to be in charge of our calendars and our schedules and our pocketbook? Because we like to be in charge. Because we really don't want to give up our life. We want to hold on to our life. We want to be in charge. I mean, who in the world wants to relinquish control of their life? And say, here, you take it. I mean, you, 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 you take it. But if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Let me say this and pause just for a minute. Several of you here have experienced death over the past few weeks. Yesterday, a very prominent businessman in Leesburg, life was snuffed out just like that. Adam, this past week, lost a grandfather. 
There are others of you that have lost loved ones over the past little bit. And this is what you learn. Death isn't a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how much money you got in your pocket, how much property you got, where you live, what you look like, whether you're ugly or pretty, whether you're, whether you're smart or dumb. You know, it really doesn't take into consideration any of those things. But somewhere along the line, every one of us in this world are going to die. I promise you, I prophesy that right now. Every one of us in this room are going to die. You can take that to the bank. That's, that's true. Every one of us in this room will at some point in time die. And here he is saying, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. And Jesus goes on, but if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Everyone that tries to hang on to their life, save it for themselves, you'll lose it. However, if you give it up for the sake of the gospel, you'll save it. You'll gain it. Huh. And then Jesus asked the question. Look at what he says in 36. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What good does it do to gain everything in this world that is temporary? And Jesus defined what temporary was, what moth and rust destroy, and thieves break in and steal. Things in life that we try, to, we try to hoard up, we spend all of our time trying to gather up. Those things are temporary. What good does it do to, to gain all of that stuff here? And to peer over into the other side and to realize that we have nothing there. What good does it do? I mean, think of it. Here's the perfect life. i got the perfect life, the perfect wife, the perfect husband, the perfect kids, the perfect job, the perfect bank account. I've got everything perfect. Everything's perfect in life. I mean, I've got it all. I've attained it all. And here it is, only to sit and look on to the other side and to realize I have nothing here. And you know what happens? How many of us would be willing to give up everything here to make sure that we had something here? Because there's going to come that time when all of us peer over to the other side and we look back on life. And here's Jesus saying, listen, if you're willing to, if, if, if you hold on to life, you're going to lose it. But if, you're, if you'll lose your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will gain it. Now, is Jesus talking about heaven and hell? It doesn't say. But if we happen to think that there's more to this life than this life, we'd live life differently, wouldn't we? And look at the next statement. Jesus reveals something that until now probably most of us have never even considered. But if we take heart to what Jesus is saying and we, and, we, and we listen to this and we absorb it, I promise you it'll change. It'll change some things. He asked the question, this is a great thought for the new year, is there anything worth more than your soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? What would you willing, be willing to exchange for your soul? You know what you would exchange? Everything that was over here. Everything that you had gained. Everything that you had attained everything that you had held on, that when that time came and you were looking over to the other side and you saw what was here and the fact that there wasn't anything, you would look back and give up all of this that was in this hand. You may not realize that until you begin to get a little older. But as you get older, perspectives change. Things in life change. You begin to look at things a little bit differently. When you're younger, you don't think an awful lot about having a head full of hair. When you get older, you start thinking about hair. 
You don't think about wrinkles when you're young, you're young, but all of a sudden as you get older, you start maybe thinking about wrinkles. You don't think about a bad back when you're young, but the older you get, you start thinking, oh, I got to go see Doc. Is there anything worth more than your soul? And if we were to consider that question, it would definitely change the way that we live. And man, listen, I, I, that's something that we all need to constantly go back. Is there anything worth more important? More important, worth more than our soul? Because this is what we know. <laughs> We'd be willing to trade everything. The things that we're going to lose anyway, the things that we can't take with us, in order that we might save it. That there's going to come a point in time in our life when we look back. Is there anything that we wouldn't give to redeem and buy back our soul? And Jesus goes on in verse 38, if anyone, and he's talking to the audience, is ashamed of me. Uh, Meredith will remember this. We were at an event not long ago, and it was filled with people and their friends and their families, and, and uh, it was an event at school, and and we were waiting on the program to start, and so I decided I was going to have some fun. And so I, uh, I, I, I leaned over and I said, hey, I said, i tell you what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to stand up and start singing Jingle Bells, you know, like they do, and I'm going to see if everybody will join me. So I went to stand up, and my kids go, don't you dare do that. <laughs> I said, no, I said, I'm just going to stand up and sing Jingle Bells. I said, and I said, Jingle Bells. Don't you like to drive up into the parking lot where your kids are going to school, just sort of lay down on the horn and everybody look, you know? <laughs> or they go to get out of the car, you know, and you say, well, give me a kiss. No, I'm not leaving until you give me a kiss. We'll do anything we can to try to embarrass them. And just, you know, but anyway. And Jesus said here, he said, listen, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Identifying with Jesus might be painful for a moment, but don't be ashamed because one day we're going to have to stand before the Lord in a time of judgment. We're going to have to give an account for our lives. And on that day, if we've been ashamed of him, the Bible says, that he says, that I will be ashamed of you. But don't be afraid because, see, the things that you give up for my sake is an investment. It's a benefit for your soul. Now here's Peter listening to all of this going on. And if you know the story, this is what you know about Peter. Peter was the one, well, I tell you what, I'll never deny you, Christ. I will be the one. I will be the one when everybody else falls to the side. I will be the one that declares your, my faithfulness to you. And I'm willing to give it all. But if you know the story, Peter's Peter, the one saying, listen, I'll go to prison for you, Lord. I'll die for you. But if you know the story, Peter was the one who denied Christ, right? And it wasn't the fact that, here's Peter. Peter wasn't the guy that was living on the fringe. Peter wasn't the guy that was sort of living on the edge and coming to church on Easter and, and on Christmas. Man, this was one of the early leaders. This was one of the disciples. And he denied Christ. Because he was trying to hang on to something that day. Something that he was going to lose anyway. Whether it was his reputation, regardless of whether or not it was his life. And you know what? That story of Peter's denial is found in every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tells us something about the importance of what took place there that moment. And this is what I know, that every one of us that sits in this room are going to be faced with some major decisions this year of whether or not you will choose to follow Christ 
See, salvation is, coming to church is free. But if you're going to live a legacy of faith on the outside of the walls, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost you having to say no to self and yes to Jesus. No, no to, to what I want, to, okay, God, what is it that you want? And it would be Peter that would eventually die and be crucified for his decision to follow Christ because hanging out with Jesus and salvation is free. But when you make the decision to follow him, it's going to cost you something. may not be necessarily a physical death, but it's a saying no to self. Now let me ask you a question. Up until this point, how has your relationship with Christ altered your life? Up until this point, how has your relationship with Christ altered your life? Has it been a relationship of convenience and comfort? Or have you had to come to the place that you denied self and said yes? See, following Jesus, it's going to cost you something. Martin Luther King, they tell the story that after he finished his Ph.D., that he had the opportunity to stay in New England and speak about racism from a place of safety in the North. But he knew that he knew that he couldn't do that, that he couldn't just talk about racism from a distance. And so eventually he moved back, and if you know the story, his speaking against racism would cost him his life. Salvation is free. Living for Jesus, it's going to cost you something. Doing church, it's comfortable. But if Heritage Community Church is going to make an influence and inroads in the days ahead, it's going to cost us something. If you as an individual are going to live for Christ and you're going to make a difference in the workplace, it's going to cost you something. See, we can do church, but if we're going to follow Jesus and live out a legacy of faith, it's going to cost us something. And here's a statement for you. Every one of us are going to die from something. Some from cancer, some from old age, whatever it may be. But how many of us are willing to die for something? What did Jesus say? I keep it and I hold on to it, I'm going to lose my life. But if I give up my life and let go for the sake of the gospel, I'll gain something. See, I'm going to lose what I'm going to lose anyway. But when we let go, we're making an investment for the future. Not just for now, but for eternity. And the last time I looked at benefits and investments, that's pretty doggone good. Would you pray with me today? Bow your heads. Father, this is what I'm asking today, that as we think about and as we're reminded about 
the important things that this world has to offer. Give us the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to make some major decisions in our life this next year about how we're going to choose to live. Not just to, not just to, to, to be caught up in the consumerism attitude of church going, but for those of us sitting here today to say, God, we truly are wanting to live out a legacy of faith and to follow you, to be a disciple, to, to imitate what we see in the scriptures of how you lived. For those of us that are believers here today, as we enter into this new year, I think the thing that, that we need to be asking ourselves is, is God, how will your my relationship with you affect me this next year? What is it in my life, Lord, that I need to as I look into my life and not my spouse's life or my kids' lives or my neighbors? Or anything, but Lord, as I, as I look into my life, what is it that I need to add into my life that may not be there this next year to, to follow you? What is it that needs to be taken away what, what schedule changes need to be adjusted? What financial changes need to be altered so that, Father, I'm not just living out what I want to do, but, God, I'm using the resources that you've, that you've blessed me with in such a way that I can be part of, of helping grow the kingdom. As a believer today, God, what is it you want to do in my life so that I might experience life? If there's somebody here today that doesn't know Christ and you were talking about losing life and gaining life and knowing Jesus and being a follower and all that kind of stuff. This is the only thing that I want to say, that following Jesus, salvation is free. The Bible said that Jesus gave his life on Calvary so that every one of us might be saved. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord has the opportunity not only to come to know him, but to come to know him intimately and to follow him and follow his teachings. And if you're here today, what, how you begin that process of following Jesus is to recognize your inability to save yourself and to acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner and to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And if you're here today and you're saying, that's, that's me, I, man, I'm lost. I don't know Christ, but I want to follow him. You know, I've gone to church, but I, 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 I want to know Christ. What it requires is saying no to self and yes to Jesus. That, Lord, I believe and I want to follow you. And if that's you today, would you just ask him right there where you are? Dear Jesus, I don't know you, but as we start this new year, I want to follow you. I, I, I want to live for you. I want to accept the free gift of salvation that comes. That I come to understand that I can't save myself, but dear Jesus, that I, I want to follow you. And if that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to trust Jesus this next year. Yeah. Father, as we begin this new year, for those that are, are saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to trust you. I pray that they would come to me after the service today and say, that was me. That was me. This is what I know. Salvation is free. But if we as a church are going to move ahead and we're going to impact this world and impact our community for Christ, it's going to cost us something.
What is it going to cost us? I don't know. But the benefits are out of this world. Hear us today, fathers. We come to you. How will our relationship with God alter our life this next year? In Jesus' name, amen. And what a better way, there's no better way to start and to celebrate this new year than to be able to participate in the Lord's Supper. You know, in the Old Testament, the scriptures talk about the, 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 the people of God remembering the faithfulness of God through celebrating in festivals and, and, uh, and celebrations. But here in the New Testament, Jesus gave us the opportunity and the example of celebrating the Lord's Supper to remember his death, to remember his suffering, and that we don't have to live in that, that we can live a victorious life because of what Christ did for us. And Paul said, listen, before, before you celebrate, there should be a time of examination of us going before the Lord, for those of us that are believers, to go before the Lord and say, you know, is there something in my life that's not right, something in my life that as I look that I've not gone before the Lord and asked forgiveness for? And we want to have a time of celebration, but before we do that, some people says, some people that have never been to church, or maybe this is your first time in a long time, they say, well, who is it? What is this really, this thing that's going on? I mean, is this something I can participate in? I don't really know that much about this stuff. Well, who participates in the Lord's Supper is God's family, those that have trusted, those that have placed their faith in Christ. And if you've done that today, man, we, we, we invite you to come and to be a part of celebrating this and remembering Christ's death, his crucifixion, and his sacrifice. But if you're not a believer today, you're welcome to sit where you are and just reflect and ask yourself the most important question, what is it that keeps me from making that decision to trust and follow Jesus? So I want to take just a moment to give you a chance to examine your life and go before the Lord. Examination, it means I'm going to do a checkup. I'm going to check up underneath the hood. Is there something that I need to deal with? Ask the Lord, Lord, is there something in my life that, you, that, that the Holy Spirit reveals to me that I need to bring to you and ask forgiveness for today? And after there's a moment of just silence of giving you a chance to ask that question, when you're ready, there are tables that have been set up in the different places. There's two in the back that are two that are here that are two in the top. And in that moment, when you feel that you're ready as an individual, as families, as couples, I just ask what you would go to these tables, if you would take those elements and you would bring them back to your seat, and then we will partake of the Lord's Supper together this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come into this time, may we just be reminded to go before you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal in our lives things that separate us in our relationship with you, sins, and to confess those to you this morning. In Jesus' name.